an exciting day because we have our, our big picnic, and we're so glad that so many of our kids can celebrate this day with us. And one of the things that is always people notice about our church is they're like, whoa, you guys have a lot of kids. And where are all the kids today? We have such a beautiful group of kids in this church. I want to just really quickly tell you guys about another event that's coming up. And you can, There we go. Um, we are having our first ever family camp. It's being presented by the Roots Ministry. And in the past, it was usually called the Father-Son Camp or something like that. And this year, we're going to have a Roots Family Camp. All the information is right there on the website. And so all of you family uh, people, if you want to register for this, there's some information that we're still working through, like the cost and things like that. But go check it out. Our theme this year is going to be Little Big Planet. And some of you have probably played that game way too much. But um, we are going to unpack that theme. And I think that God's going to have some wonderful things in store for us at this camp. And so why don't you all plan on going? And we'll have a really great time as a church family there. Let's pray, and then we want to begin the sermon. Father God, I want to thank you for this day, and I want to thank you for all the kids in this church, and thank you for all the families in this church, and thank you for all the people that attend here. And Lord, we're also thankful for the visitors that we have here with us today. And we just pray, God, as we are here this morning together to just celebrate, that we would focus um, our celebration around you. Lord, it's what you've done that causes us to celebrate. It's what you've done for us that uh, we are thankful for. And Lord, I also want to pray right now for um, uh, Maggie and um, Susie as they're on their way home from China this week. We pray, God, that you would give them safety and that you would protect them. And we thank you for the incredible time that they've had there and all the things that they've learned and all the things that they've taught. In your name I pray. Amen. Okay, kids, here's a little, a little different this Sunday. Um, normally sermons, you know, we kind of gear them a little bit more towards adults. And, and so today the sermon is really, really focused towards you. So most of you parents are going to get it today, all right? Because uh, we're going to talk a little different language. So if all of a sudden you're listening later on to the sermon, you're going, man, this guy sounds like he's talking to kids. I am talking to kids. And so where are all the kids? We're going to really have you guys pay attention today. We want to talk today about kids. Because one of the things that we want to celebrate is obviously all the kids in this church. And when you go through the Bible, you actually find that there's a number of different kids that are in the Bible that do some pretty incredible things. And the question that we are asking today is, what can you do? What can you do? Is it that you can only wait to get older and then do something for God? Or is it only that once you get bigger, then you know God can use you? No. God can start using you already at a young age. And we are going to look at three different kids in the Bible to see how that's true. The first kid, we don't even know his name. But if you look at the picture, you'll probably understand which story this is from. Most of you probably, no, not Moses. Um, most of you probably have seen this kind of illustration picture before. Here's a little boy that we don't know his name, but he plays a really, really big part in this story. Now, some of this I'm just going to kind of make up because we don't really know how this all played out. But imagine this little boy packs himself a lunch. And most of us, again, wouldn't exactly eat a lunch like that. But this little boy packs himself a lunch because he hears that Jesus is coming to town and he wants to go listen to him. So he packs himself a little lunch and, and he's the only smart kid in the group because he's the only guy with a lunch. And he shows up at this picnic and this big gathering and Jesus is teaching and Jesus is teaching and he's teaching and he's teaching and he's teaching. And we read from the scripture that all of a sudden the disciples and Jesus are like, how are we going to feed all these people? And so... All these people are sitting around with no food, and we need to feed these people. 
And you can just kind of almost picture this little boy sitting there and he's like, man, my stomach's getting really, really hungry like some of ours are getting now already because we can smell the barbecue coming through the wall there. And this little boy is probably sitting there going, you know what, I think I'm going to have myself some fish and bread. Yum. Uh, and so he opens up his lunch pail and he's getting it all ready. And what we didn't, what he doesn't know about is that Jesus has said to his disciples, you guys figure out how to feed all these people. You feed them. So you can kind of see these disciples walking around going, we don't have any money, we don't have any food, and what are we going to do? Well, you can picture this little boy sitting there with his lunch and ready to take a bite of it, and then all of a sudden there's one of these big disciples kind of doing one of these. What you got there? Because listen to the story in John chapter 6, verse 8. Another one of these disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Okay, he's kind of looking over the crowd, and all of a sudden he speaks up and he says, hey guys, um... Here is a boy with five small barley fish, loaves and two small fish. So you got this lunch there all by yourself and you're ready to start eating and all of a sudden this big disciple's looking over your shoulder and going, Hey guys, he's got some food. How would that feel? You'd be kind of like, uh, yeah, it's kind of my food and this big disciple, you know. And so then he says, but how far is this going to go? He's like, you know, he's kind of looking at the boy going, I don't know how much this is going to, you know, get you. But I wonder how they got this food to Jesus. Because we find out that this little boy, he brings the food over to Jesus. I wonder if Andrew looked at this little boy and said, you know, we kind of need that lunch. And the little boy's like, well, I'm kind of hungry myself. I don't know. Maybe Andrew did one of these. Look, Elvis. And the little boy's like, who's Elvis? Just look. And the little boy looks over and he scoops up the lunch and runs and brings it to Jesus. I kind of doubt it. So how did this little boy, how did this little boy's lunch end up with Jesus. Here's what I think happened. So the question is, what can you do? You can do what this little boy did. You know what this little boy did? He shared. There is not a young kid in this room, there is not a parent in this room, there is nobody in this room who does not have the ability to share. How many of you kids have been told to share before? Yeah. What are we usually told to share? What are some things you're told to share? Nothing. What are some things you're told to share? Yell it out. Nearly everything. Nearly everything. Perfect. <laughs> Toys probably, right? Crayons. Uh, your room. All those different kind of things. Fun, fun, fun. I want to talk to you kids today a bit about sharing something more than just material things. More than just things that you have. Have you guys ever thought about sharing the gifts you have? Like, for example, if you're really good at drawing, do you keep that just to yourself? Now, I know that there are some kids in this church that are really good at sports, because I always hear your parents bragging about how well you did at the baseball tournament, or how well you did at a hockey tournament, or something like that. Have you guys ever thought about the fact, kids, that you can take a gift like sports, something that you're good at, and you can share that with Jesus? Or if you're really good at school, Instead of just saying, I'm going to get really good grades for myself, that you can actually say, Jesus, I want to share this gift that you've given me, and I'm going to share it with you. And if you want to use it, like Jesus used this boy's lunch, and help lots of people, I'm willing to share my gift with you. Now I want to talk to you parents for a little bit. Kind of goes both ways. Parents, what can you do? Obviously, you need to continue to teach your children to share. This is something that no kid can look at you and say, You'll never teach me that, 
Everybody can learn how to share. But it's so important, parents, that we teach our children not just to share material things, that but we teach our kids to share the gift of Jesus Christ with those around us, just like Annie so beautifully illustrated for us. Another kid, this one's a girl. So in case some of you girls are like, oh, is this going to talk about boys? No, this is a girl. And again, we don't know her name. We just know that she was someone's servant. This girl was the servant of, a, of that woman there, and she was the wife of a man named Nahum. Kind of an interesting name. But Nahum was a big general. He was a really powerful man. He had a lot of authority. And in, in Second Chronicles chapter, Second uh, Kings, sorry, chapter five, verse one, it says this: Now Nahum was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded. In other words, <clears throat> the king of Aram, he thought Nahum was an amazing person. And he loved this guy. Why? Because the, through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier. But look at the last part. But he had leprosy. And back then, when someone had leprosy, they didn't know how to cure it. And when someone had leprosy, they became outcast because people were so afraid that if, if you had leprosy and I touch you, then I'll get leprosy and, and we don't want that. So they would push these people out of town and often make them live in, in, in places far removed from people. Now, here's this king who loves this man, Nahum, who thinks he's an amazing soldier, but what do we do about this disease that he has called leprosy? And this is where this little girl comes in. This mighty, mighty king has a disease that at that time no one can cure. Chapter 5, verse 2 and 3. Now bands from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel. She served Nahum's wife. Now, listen to this. This girl wasn't working for this woman as a babysitter. She wasn't working as a gardener or as a cook. She was working for this woman as a slave. Now, most of you, how, kids, how many of you like doing something you don't want to do? Yeah, right. I, my kids are raising their hands, so they're not telling the truth. And so, how many of you kids, when your parents are like, go clean your basement, and you're like, yes, I can't wait to go clean the basement, and you run off, and man, we do have a few liars in the room today. Um, parents, you got some work to do. Most of us don't like doing stuff we don't want to do. I remember when I was younger, if I would cut the grass and I'm like, you know what, I should go cut the grass, and I would cut the grass, I would actually have fun cutting the grass. But then my mom would look at me and say, Ike, grass is really tall, go cut the grass. I'm like, do I have to? You know, we rarely like doing things we don't want to do. Now, this little girl, she wasn't just doing things she probably didn't want to do. She was in a place she didn't even want to be at. She was a slave. She was a servant girl. Now. Most of us in that kind of a situation, when we would find out, oh, and my master's husband has leprosy, we'd be like, I hope he dies. Well, maybe not that mean, but we're like, good for him, because he took me away from my people. But listen to what this little girl says. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would be cured, he would cure him from his leprosy. I want you girl, uh, kids to understand for a moment how important that statement is. Because there's a couple things that this little girl's doing with that statement. Probably the biggest one that she's doing is she's putting her life on the line. Because can you imagine if this master would now travel all the way to Samaria, 
and then not be cured? And then he comes home, he would probably look at that little girl and say, you lied to me. And she would probably get into a lot, a lot of trouble. But this man listens to this girl's advice and he goes out and he finds his prophet, Elisha. Interesting story, have your parents read the rest of it because Elisha, through a servant, tells this man, Nahum, go dunk yourself in the Jordan River seven times. And Nahum's like, the Jordan River? That river is disgusting. Why not one of these beautiful, mighty rivers? Why would this prophet not stand in front of me and cure me from my leprosy right in front of me? So he's on his way back and he's probably grumbling, oh, I'm going to get that little girl. I can't believe she'd tell me to go see a prophet who tells me to go dunk myself in the Jordan River. Man, he's mad. Well, anyway, the story goes on and one of the servants that's with Nahum says, why don't you just do it? Go dunk yourself in the river. What, what's the harm? And Nahum does. Seven times, dunks himself in the river. And sure enough, the Bible tells us when he comes out, his skin is as smooth as a boy. Leprosy is gone. He's totally healed. So kids, what can you do? Another thing that you can do, the first one is you can share. The second thing that you can do, and I love that Henry alluded to it in his prayer, is you can believe in the truth. Kids, you can believe the truth. This little girl remembered that there was a prophet named Elisha who served the Almighty God. And through the Almighty God, he had power to heal people. And this girl believed it. Kids, some of you, if not all of you, are already at times facing people who are telling you that the Bible's not true. Or they're telling you that there is no God. Or they're maybe going to tell you one day that Jesus isn't really real. Kids, you need to do what this little girl did. You need to believe in the truth. Okay, talk to the parents for a little bit again. Parents, what can you do? You can teach your kids the truth. I do not want to pick on any sensitive issues here today. But you need to answer your kids' questions truthfully. I know our kids, they sometimes come and ask us, you know, sorry, what was the question Maddie asked me the other day? Yeah. Where did sin come from, Daddy? Yeah, you did. <laughs> what do I do now? <laughs> okay, hold on. We're just going to deal with that one later. Hush. Um, that was the question I remember being asked. That's a hard question to answer. Where does sin come from? Here's another one. Where do babies come from? How many parents have had that one? Yeah, where do babies come from? What are we tempted to do, parents? Because it's an awkward conversation. Parents, I want to encourage you at that moment, answer truthfully. Tell the kids that you don't need to get into any details. But you know, I hear stories that kids, kids are told that babies are born and they just show up. And... Kids are telling their friends, well, apparently I just showed up. And kids are like, no, 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 this is how it happened. And now all of a sudden, here's friends telling your kid how it really happened. Parents, you should do that. Always tell your kids the truth. Tell them the truth. Sometimes it's going to be awkward because you're like, you know, and we've often looked at our kids and said, you know what? This is the conversation that we'll get into more information later. Right now, you're too young. 
But we start still with the truth. Always tell your, the kids the truth. Because later on in life, when they grow up, and they come and ask you a question, they need to know that my mom and dad, as awkward as it was sometimes, they always told the truth. They always answered truthfully from Scripture. They always they didn't make up things so they could dodge a big heated question. They told the truth. One more story. We're going to be done nice and early today because I know you guys are hungry. So, ushers, you go tell those uh, deacons out there to start frying because we are going to be out of here in a little bit. So, one more story. You guys ready for this? The last one, thank you, is a story about a young boy. Cool little picture up there. Who knows what this boy's name is? Come on, let's hear it. Yes, shout it out, shout it out. Who knows this little boy's name? Because I always say it wrong. Josiah. I always say it with a Z. Josiah. Anyway, anyway, now I said it right. Anyway, let's, let's just go on. Kids, imagine if you could do whatever you wanted. No limits. You see those big soldiers? They're not there to hurt the boy. They're there and they're saying, Command us, king, and we'll do whatever you say. Do you get, catch that? This little eight-year-old boy was a king. He could do whatever he wanted. If he's like, uh, broccoli, no more broccoli. I don't ever want to see broccoli on my plate again. They would never have served him broccoli again. If he had a teacher that he was like, ugh, she's so annoying. Any of you guys have annoying teachers? Could you imagine as a king, you could say, um, I don't ever want that annoying teacher to teach me ever again. This one kid's like, I'm not putting my hand down. I have an annoying teacher. Um, this little boy could say that to a, to a guard or to somebody, and you know what? That teacher would be long gone, and that little boy would never have to sit through a, a class again with this teacher. Because he was a king. He could do whatever he wanted. What would you do if you could do whatever you wanted? That's a big question, right? Well, listen to what this little boy did. Second Chronicles chapter 34, verses 1 to 2. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. So he was a king for a long time. But when he started, he was eight years old. And here, listen to what he did. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And he walked in the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the left or to the right. Here's a young boy who could do whatever he wanted, kids. He's your... How many eight-year-olds in the room? Wow. You guys would be our kings. <laughs> and these little kids, this little boy, who could do whatever he wanted, you know what he decided to do? Is the same thing that you can do. What can you do, kids? You can do what is right. Wow. You could do whatever you wanted, but instead of doing what you want, you do what God wants you to do. You do what is right. I want to tell you guys a little story, and I asked Simon for permission to tell the story. Last week, uh, Saturday, he ran in a triathlon. And some of you have already heard this story. And I told him right after he was done, I'm like, this is going to be a sermon illustration. And voila, a week later, it's a sermon illustration. Simon had, we had registered Simon, and they wrote a big number nine on the back of his shirt, uh, leg. And we understood that he was in the eight and nine category which meant that he had to swim 100 meters, bike 5 kilometers, and jog 1 kilometer. A triathlon. So he had practiced for this. And right before the race, even though he had a big 9 on his shirt, I mean, on his leg, 
they go and they put him into the 10-11 category. Because he is turning 10 this year. Which meant now that he had to swim, not 100 meters, but 200 meters. Twice as far as what he thought. He still only biked one, uh, five kilometers, but instead of jogging one kilometer, he had to jog two kilometers. So I was like, oh, I hope he can do it. You know, and I, and I wasn't sure if he was even catching this information. I'm like, Simon, you have to go further than you thought. And he's like, okay, you know, not very excited. And so the race started and they started swimming. And, and so he did fine. He gets into the biking, he, he finished the swimming, he goes onto the bike, you quickly transition onto your bike, and you start biking, he finished the biking, and by now, of course, he's getting really, really tired. And then he finished the biking, he starts jogging. He, they had the finish line over here, you jogged out like that, you came back, and then to do your two kilometers, you had to do a loop, and go do it again. Well, here's Simon, finishing his first lap, he comes around, and he's just ready to do the loop to go do the second kilometer, and this guy on the microphone says, and Simon Unger's coming in for the finish. No, 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 Simon, this way, this way. Simon, you're all done, come on in. And Simon's like, okay. So he runs across the finish line, and he's done. But he only ran one kilometer. And they put a medal around him, and they're like, way to go, Simon, give him a popsicle, they take his race and bracelet off, and they're like, good job, you're all done. So Maria and I are like, what do we do? And Simon's like, he's such a shy kid. Uh, he doesn't say anything to them. So I come running over there. And first thing Simon said to me, Dad, I need to do another lap. And I'm like, that's right. So I walked over to the lady and I'm like, uh, he only did one kilometer. He needs to do two. Oh, off comes the medal and off comes out. You know, they took it. Go, run, run, run. Oh, poor Simon. He was like so dejected, but he went and did it. And he finished. And I told him, I was so proud that he finished the race, but the thing I was most proud about him for was that he was honest. Had he not said anything, had we not said anything, he would have finished way further ahead in the, in the, the thing than he did now. But the truth is, he would have never really finished his race. Kids, you can all do what is right. There is not a kid in this room who's going to sit there one day and say, Oh, what's the right thing here? Hit my sister or hug her? Uh, what's the right thing here? Uh, leave the money on the counter or take it? You can always do what is right. Kids, I want you to just tell yourself, no matter how easy or how tempting it would be to cheat or to do something else, I'm going to do what's right. So parents, what can you do? Parents, you need to teach your children what is right. You need to do this both verbally, but maybe even more importantly, you need to do it with your actions. You need to do it so that your kids can watch you, that your kids can see you doing the right thing. So lastly, parents and kids, what can you do? Number one is you can always share. Share what you have with others. Share what you have with Jesus. Kids, this is something that's so important to learn. The second thing that you can do is you can always believe in the truth. No matter what lie someone tries to tell you, you say, no, the truth, the Bible is the truth and I will always believe it. And the last thing that you can always do, you can always do what is right. Now I realize sometimes you may have situations that you're like, wow, what is the right thing to do here? Well then, kids, you go ask someone for advice. But I think most of the time, if we're totally honest, we know what is right. I want to do something that I've never done here before. Kids, I want you to all stand up.
If you're like under 11, 12, 11, stand up. Please, you don't need to leave your seat, but just stand up. Everybody, come on, kids. All right. I want to pray for you. Because I think being a kid is pretty tough. And I think you guys are amazing kids. And we as parents, your mom and dad are just going to pray quietly along with me. But we want to just close the service today, and the band can come up. We want to just close the service today by praying for you, so that you as kids will grow up doing these three things and many other things that God wants you to do. Let's pray. Shh. Let's pray. Father God, I want to just bring these little kids before you. God, you have created every single child, every single person. And Jesus, you yourself said a number of times, let these little kids come to me. God, you love these kids. You know the little struggles that they go through. You know the things that they're learning, and some of the things that they should learn, and some of the things that they shouldn't learn. And God, you're in the midst of all of that. And so Lord, I just pray, Jesus, through your Holy Spirit, guide these children to become young men and women who follow you in everything. We thank you for these kids. What awesome kids we have in this church. And we thank you for them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks a lot, kids, for listening so well. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ike. Just a, uh, we're going to close now uh, in our last song. We're going to say the uh, benediction and pray after that.